This episode of the All Things Go podcast is presented by Atlas Hair. Are you ugly? Yeah, we thought so. Lucky for you, we've got something for that. Atlas is an elite line of hairstyling products with cologne fragrances to help quaff that mop into something straight out of Hollywood and smell like you're the guy she's going home with tonight. Half of our products also contain a hair thickening ingredient to help those of us who are getting a little thin up top to make the most of what we got. Get started today at atlashair.com and use the promo code NASCAR for 20% off your entire order. We can't fix your face, but we can at least give you a fighting chance. Atlashair.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-H-A-I-R.com. Welcome in to the All Things Go podcast, episode 47. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy, at Brian underscore Murphy on Twitter. And Brian, you did a great job last week hosting a recurring guest in Barry Braun. I really enjoyed listening to everything you guys talked about. How's everything been for you since we last spoke? Not bad. Would, would you say I did a good job? I had I had multiple comments that oh. said it sounded like an uh, N, NPR right npr episode you got yep okay uh well i think that'd be a compliment right because they had those the awards banquet over the weekend uh i mean i kind of left you with no time to prepare because i was like listen i'm sick as a dog got the chills and all that so i would say with on being on this side knowing the tech issues that you typically have or had in the past i think you did a really good job and you mean you and barry talked for a while and there's a lot a lot of very exciting things that Barry's doing that everybody's talking about. So if you haven't listened to episode 46, I do highly recommend it. Maybe give your opinions of what you thought of Brian. But Brian, I thought you did well. Yeah, it was it was serviceable. I definitely missed uh missed your help though. So you can't be sick well, anymore. Well, well, the <laughs> uh the lack of tech technical skills on my end, I put out the part where you and Barry are even talking before the show started. So you know, we're, we're all coming together here. You called that out, which was good. So we got that we got that fixed, which I, I like. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you again here today and uh, really looking forward to having a very special guest on the show, Tony Donahue. Tony is somebody that you can follow on Twitter, at Tony D. Indy. Uh, he is the marketing director with The Fans Place. And Tony, uh, really appreciate you coming on and joining us. How are, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, ready for the 2024 racing season to start, which which kind of gets going this weekend with the 24 hours of Daytona and just kind of rolls with it from there. So appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff tonight. Uh, but what I thought was really cool because I was like, Tony, I, I know that name from somewhere. And then when I was going to uh, check out, obviously, Twitter pay, make sure I had everything together and then shot you a DM. I was like, you and I've talked before and we've talked about betting IndyCar, especially the Indy 500. So it's good to be chatting with you. I, I remember listening to you on Twitter spaces uh, last year. So it's good to be talking with you on this program and uh, kind of give everybody a little bit of an idea of who you are, your background in motorsports, you know, all the all the easy stuff out of the gate. Yeah, thanks. Um, I got my start in high school, so I grew up a big racing fan going to both IndyCar and NASCAR races. Uh, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so 
It was okay. two hours to Milwaukee, two hours to Michigan, a half hour to Chicagoland, two hours down to Indy. So you had a lot of tracks uh, that IndyCar and NASCAR ran in and just kind of fell in love going with my grandfather and my dad to different races. And then, you know, as every human being in high school, they got to figure out what they want to do with their life and what they want to go to college for. And uh, I decided that maybe being a journalist would would, would be the way to go. So uh, my favorite driver at the time in IndyCar was a guy named Thomas Schechter. And yep. I approached him and I said, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just build a resume and, and have some things that I can learn. And I notice your website, nobody updates it. Can I write articles and stories for, um, for your, for your website? And he's like, absolutely. I can't pay you, but every race you come to, I'll get you pit passes and a shirt and yep. a hat crew issued. And of course at 17 years old, I'm like, hell, that's really all I need. So I mm -hmm. uh, did that and then went to college for journalism, got a job here in Indianapolis at the ESPN radio affiliate, which was, okay. uh, which is the home of the IMS radio network Colts and Pacers who are two of my mm -hmm. favorite teams as well was there for 10 years. And then, um, moved on and this opportunity with the fans place came up and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We're a free to play local sports prediction app here at Indy. We're starting to grow outside of Indy, but uh, some of our IndyCar and NASCAR contests uh, back in 2023 were our most popular and, and, and you're picking, you know, will this driver finish higher? Will the pole sitter lead, you know, 10 mm -hmm. or more laps, those type of things. And it just, it started to really grow and kind of allowed me to still do some media and podcasting and such inside the IndyCar world and travel to races. And uh, we also do a, um, you know, some content on there, but we do NASCAR, IndyCar. We did a contest uh, for some sprint car stuff last year. So if you haven't downloaded cool. it, we'd love to have you check it out and uh, yep. win some cool prizes. We give away tickets. We give away swag. Uh, anything that comes our way, we usually give right back to our users. So do you travel uh, to various uh, touring series at all? Like uh, when IndyCar's, you know, at different parts of the country, are you, you know, following them around? Or is it usually just when they come uh, to your home state? Yeah, uh, it's it's great being here in Indy. Uh, I live in Speedway, so it's literally a five-minute walk to the track. But I uh, was, was fortunate last year, went to 12 different races, got to go to Portland, St. Pete, Nashville, oh, cool. Iowa. So try to go to as many races as possible. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier on the media side when you don't have to worry about parking or worry about tickets. So very fortunate there, but, uh, yeah, just wrapped up IndyCar content day last uh, Wednesday and Thursday here in Indianapolis. So, uh, excited to travel to some more races coming up in 2024. Well, I, I joined the media side as well last year, working for front stretch. And mm -hmm. like you said, not having to worry about parking, being in the <laughs> media center, uh, parking right behind Victory Lane. Nice little perks uh, that it is in there. So you were at the uh, IndyCar uh, Media Day, like you said. What was that like? What's the sense of, uh, you know, the, the team, everybody coming back for 2024? What, what kind of were some of your key takeaways? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, look, the competition level in IndyCar right now and the on-track activity is is has been great. Um, it's been competitive. The Indianapolis 500, the last four or five years, has came down to the very last lap. I think the biggest thing is some of the off-track issues that you see. Uh, you know, they had to um, come back off of signing with a company that was supposed to do uh, their video game. Uh, so they went back to iRacing, which I thought was a great move. Um, you know, yep. you look at NASCAR going to Netflix again and IndyCar had a series on the CW last year. And I, I think that kind of showed you, unfortunately, on the grand scheme of things where IndyCar is, um, the CW, I, 
uh, I don't know if he was coming on after an episode of Resilient Isles and Charmed, but hopefully uh, people see the popularity uh, in the sport and and want to market it and want to be a part of it. So um, a lot of the takeaways is like the competition is there. Um, there needs to be some tweaks. You know, when is the red flag going to wave at the Indianapolis 500? Uh, you got to set a lap. They kind of they kind of moved the goalpost with it last year. They had yeah. three reds over the final 15 laps, and and one ultimately ended up costing Marcus Erickson his, his second straight Indianapolis 500, uh, which allowed Joseph Newgarden on that last restart to take the lead uh, and the victory. So um, the competition is there on track. It's just kind of figuring out how to how to focus it in the in, in the marketing realm of things getting it into the hands of the public, growing the sport from a younger fan perspective um, and, and, and getting it on a global scale where NASCAR and F1 certainly are. Yeah. In 2023, IndyCar saw what a record breaking record breaking viewership, uh, massive crowds. Uh, this, the sport is growing, but what are, what are some of the highlights heading into 2024? Where are some of the key races, uh, the, the key driver moves that, you know, stand out the most to you? Yeah, we'll start with the races. I think having Milwaukee back on the schedule and having a doubleheader at the Milwaukee Mile, which is a track that has so much history um, in, in in the sport of IndyCar, as you know, the Truck Series and, and Xfinity Series has raced there as well. Uh, but going back there, uh, fans have wanted ovals. Every time you talk to a fan, what do we want more in IndyCar? We want more high-speed ovals, the Chicagolands, the Kentuckys, the Michigans of the world. Those might not be coming yes. back anytime soon, but adding Milwaukee, which is a very technical racetrack, a one-mile flat oval, um, having that tradition back, um, there's there, there's a it's a good Midwest racetrack that it, you can travel to within a day from Indianapolis, which is obviously the number one market. The number two market in IndyCar seems to always be Louisville with Cincinnati right there as a top three. Again, a traveling market that you can get up there. So uh, that's cool. Unfortunately, they lose Texas, which is really outside of Indy. Um, the other high speed oval, uh, the racing has been hit or miss there over the last probably five or six years. A lot of that coming from the traction compound that they've laid down to make the NASCAR race a little bit more competitive. I thought last year's race was a lot better. Unfortunately, we see, uh, Texas off of the schedule. Um, and then Nashville, you go to Nashville to end the season. Nashville is, it's, it's, it's certainly like a long beach. It's a party atmosphere. There are people there that aren't there for IndyCar, but maybe they'll learn about it and want to check it out. They're going to race. Uh, very similar to what F1 did in Vegas. They're going to race on the streets of Nashville, downtown Broadway. Um, that's going to be awesome. I think it's going to bring a whole new audience to the sport. People are going to see it. Um, I always say, you know, when you think about hockey and you think about racing, they're the only two sports that TV just doesn't simply do it justice. You have to be there. You have to you have to feel it. You have to hear it. You have to smell it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what IndyCar can do with the opportunity uh, to end the season, hopefully have a championship battle unless somebody like Alex Pelot does what he did last year and just kind of walks the field and has it wrapped up before the last race. Uh, but excited to see. Um, what Nashville brings at the end of the year with the banquet being there and it kind of being the last race and everybody, you know, dueling for a championship and, 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 and having multiple drivers, hopefully in that title fight. Yeah. And so much, I think so much excitement was put on, you know, IndyCar's 2.2 liter twin turbo V6 hybrid engine that is now being, you know, delayed. Uh, what, what were some of the difficulties that went into that decision? Do you know? And, you know, for me, it's, it's, yeah, they're talking about bringing it in halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Uh, I just don't like changing the rules that much, especially with something a new a new platform change. Um, so, you know, what what are your thoughts on on the whole hybrid situation? 
Yeah, I'm with you on not a lot, not having it halfway through the season. If you're not going to have it for the full season, which they're obviously not going to, why not just wait till 2025? I'll give them credit. Uh, there hasn't been things gone their way. They've owned it. Um, they've looked at different alternatives. It seems like it's mostly a parts issue and, and getting all the parts and pieces for all the cars. They had a test, a hybrid test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway back in October, and they brought the Honda and the Chevy head of engineering and then Jay Fry. And I just got the sense like it wasn't going to happen at St. Pete. I uh, had a private conversation with an engineer at Andretti Autosport and he, or Andretti Global now. And he told me, yeah, if, if, if they make us have this hybrid, we're probably not going to use it unless they, they tell us that we have to use it for a certain amount of laps. Um, it just it, it really handicapped some of the smaller teams that hadn't been able to test it yet. Um, Penske's been able to test it. Ganassi's been able to test it. Um, some of these bigger teams, McLaren has been able to test it, but it really put uh, some of the other teams that are smaller in a paddock, the AJ Foyt of the world, the Hunko Hollinger racings of the world, really behind the eight ball, not being able to test it. So um, I talked with Graham Rahal on content day and he said, you know, I just hope that they delay it until the end of the year. Uh, you don't want to throw it out there in the middle of a championship race and something go wrong. You know, could you imagine somebody losing a championship because maybe a part failed or something happened, you know, a fluke incident and it hadn't been tested fully. So uh, I think they'll make the right decision and we'll hear about maybe around Indy, like, Hey, we're going to go ahead, just continue to test this, maybe have a test day after an Indy car weekend at a mid Ohio, maybe do it at an Iowa on that Monday after the weekend um, and be able to test it on every track before they just throw it out there uh, in the middle of the season where, or there is certainly a possibility that it could go wrong and you certainly don't want something to go wrong and it cost a, a driver and a team a championship. Yeah, and we've seen what F1, NASCAR, IMSA go through big platform changes the last couple of years, and it's not easy. I mean, there was a lot of struggle with each series as they implemented these new changes. Uh, so it's it's nothing, I think, to be ashamed about. It's just it's part of it, but I think it is very important that they do make sure they iron out all the issues before they uh, you know, put it into rotation in, in the campaign. Um you know, we've with this, we've kind of, you know, the 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 hybrid was was delayed, and then soon after, about a week later, we heard, uh, I think Honda say that they might be interested in possibly leaving uh, IndyCar. Now, is that just uh, you know them throwing out false threats, or is that you know legitimate? Um, my question for you is, you know, is there another manufacturer that you'd like to see come in or even, even on the other side of things, does IndyCar need more than one manufacturer? We see with LMP2, um, you know, that has a very spec series. I'm not trying to draw, you know, very distinct uh, comparisons between those two series, but does IndyCar actually need another manufacturer or could it live off one? I think you definitely need two. And I think what this was with Honda is from what I've heard behind the scenes from a few different people is Honda was ready. They, they wanted to push the hybrid. They were ready. They spent the money on it. They were ready to go. Chevy was lagging a little bit behind in this whole process. And so I think that's why Honda came out and said, well, we've done everything you wanted us to do. We're ready to go with this in 2024. Either make it right, figure it out get Chevy on board with it, or, you know, maybe we'll just go ahead and walk and you hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Honda has been a great partner with IndyCar over the last 30 to 40 years. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but if they do decide to walk, I, I really do hope IndyCar has uh, a backup option to bring in another um, engine manufacturer. Who will that be? 
who knows? There's always rumors going around and always, always some, somebody poking something out there. But uh, I think, I don't know if it could live off of uh, one engine manufacturer. It's, it's always seems like we get to Indy and it's like, okay, how many engine leases are there? Like you can't just make these things overnight and you can't, you know, you can't run them from three or four years ago. Um, so when, when we get to this, you know, the entry list of the Indy 500, it's like, okay, Honda said, Hey, if we're going to do 17, we want Chevy to match that and do 17. And maybe we can do an 18th because maybe we want to get one more car in the field than what Chevy has. And you kind of have mm-hmm. that competition level. Um, but, but I, I think it would be almost impossible to survive off of one engine manufacturer. Hey, Tony, when you were at media day content day, what was, you know, a main thing that you pulled out of that, that made you think interesting. I didn't expect hearing that or, uh, didn't have that perspective. Was there something that kind of jumped out to you? Um, you know, when it comes to this season and mm-hmm. you look back at last year, and as, as I mentioned before, the red flag situation at Indy, and there there seems to be, and there always has been, I'm sure you guys feel this too on the NASCAR side, uh, and, and maybe it's gone away a little bit with the last two years having the doubleheader at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but there always seems to be this IndyCar doesn't want to be NASCAR and doesn't want to go green, white, checkered, and, and have all these what IndyCar fans would say gimmicks that maybe NASCAR has. And it's like, well, IndyCar, you have pushed to pass. You have some things that are, you know, technically yeah. gimmicky as well. Um, and I always, I've just always hated the rivalry between IndyCar and NASCAR. I just, I like to go see race cars. I like to see racing. I cheer for NASCAR yep. drivers. I, you know, that type of thing. Um, but, but what, what I took away was, you know, there needs to be a set rule. And it needs to be at every race. And maybe it's a percentage of the laps. If 98% of the laps have been completed, instead of having a red flag, we're going to end on a yellow. And if you do say, look, we want to ensure that the Indianapolis 500 and the other races can fall in line, that the Indianapolis 500 is going to finish under a green flag, then you write the rule. You write the rule and say, hey, look. But what was unfortunate about last year is you just came off a crash where Kyle Kirkwood's tire flew over the bleachers into a parking lot. Luckily, it only hit a car. It didn't hit you know, a human being um, and for them to throw the green, white checkered, so to speak, without a warm up lap, like they usually have, I've, I've, I've never seen it where you come straight out of the, the pits and go green. Uh, you, you just got to have a rule and, and, and the, the, the snake, if, if you've watched or the dragon, the last mm-hmm. couple of laps, yep. um, you know, it's been impossible to pass the last two years in turns three and four, at least up front in the top four positions. That's why when Joseph passed Marcus going into turn one, that was about, yep. or going into one, that was about it. Like there was no way that he was going to catch him uh, with no laps left. Um, so I think we'll see a new rule to where if you, if you do that snake, you can only make one move. And if that person behind you makes a move, you can't move because to, to block them mm-hmm. and you can't bring the car inside of the, there's a line at Indy where the, where the, where the attenuator is on pit road that comes out and that's your pit road entrance. And, you know, if you can't, if you're in that line and it goes yellow, you can't dive out. You've already committed. So why not? Why isn't the same when the leader does it? And Marcus Erickson is guilty of this as well in 2022 when he won. And he was in second place this year uh, behind Joseph. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to see these drivers come off four and go go below that pit road line to break the draft. Um, mm-hmm. it's almost, it's, it's very similar and they're going to have to do it to what NASCAR did with the, you know, the out of bounds going behind the yellow line or under the yellow or white line at, at Daytona and Talladega. Yep. Um, so a little bit more policing, I think is, is what IndyCar drivers seem to want. 
um, at content day. Um, you know, we talked to Scott Dixon, who just continues to be the greatest IndyCar driver we've seen over the last 30 years. And, oh, by the way, his teammate's like 18 years old. And when he was born, Dixon had already won an IndyCar championship. Um, so as much as we talk about there's this youth movement coming in IndyCar and the yep. Colton Herders of the world and these guys under 25, it's still a sport that's dominated by 30-plus-year-old drivers that have been doing it um, for nearly a decade. Yeah, I think you're right when you say that. And it's interesting because Brian has gotten me into a lot more motorsports. I mean, from mm -hmm. snowmobile racing that we're going to see this weekend yeah. uh, to MotoGP, LMP, like at all. IndyCar being one of them. One of the best races I saw last year was Texas. So I wish yep. I would push for more ovals, but I understand uh, maybe the nature uh, with that series not being at so many ovals, Pocono, uh, et cetera, some of those higher speed places. Uh, unfortunately, we lost a really good track with the IndyCar series back when uh, they were racing at an auto club. But, yep. um, you know, the series I feel like is continuing to grow. And you mentioned un the unfortunate uh, vibes you feel like with the rivalry with NASCAR IndyCar what is it like for you as somebody that you know works in this industry is also a fan when NASCAR and IndyCar come together uh, at IMS and, and they have that those racing back-to-back -back days because that's as a fan that's something I'm really looking forward to that's obviously a race I'm keen in on for sure yeah um you know it's Awesome. Unfortunately, it's going away, right? Because the Brickyard's going back to the Oval That's for right. the 30th anniversary. Right. But, um, you know, why couldn't this work at a Richmond? IndyCar was very close to going yeah. back to Richmond three or four years ago. Maybe in 2025, they say, let's bring Texas back with a bang. And it's going to be, it, that would probably be a little bit tougher because of the traction compound, the PJ1 they put down. IndyCar mm -hmm. really can't race on that. But why not a uh, short track? Neither like can NASCAR, Richmond? by the yeah. way. Yeah. NASCAR yeah. can't race on that either. Um, we don't want that. I do think with NASCAR's um, announcement of them going to Iowa and Hy-Vee yeah. kind of being the, the the biggest sponsor that IndyCar has of a race and that dual race and the money they put into it and the conscience they have, I think there is – and I don't know this. I, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but I just get this gut feeling. If you're Hy-Vee, you're going, what if we did a, a doubleheader? where we had IndyCar on Saturday night, we had NASCAR on Sunday afternoon, we had the Xfinity Xfinity series and it's on a, it's on a short oval. Um IndyCar's ran there with Arca many times, so people, mm -hmm. you know, you can't use the excuse of wall well, a different tire that lays down and that kind of thing cuz they've done it there with Arca. They used to run at Texas with the Truck Series. Um, I think I would yep. be super cool place Good to point. do that. It would be everybody's, you know, okay, look, besides the fact that you're out in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and in July, it's, it's, it's hot as you can ever imagine. Um, I think that'd be a great place for it. Um, I, I loved having that doubleheader weekend. It was so cool seeing Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott walking around the IndyCar mm -hmm. paddock on Friday and seeing Scott McLaughlin up in Ryan Blaney's box. And and kind of and I would have loved to see somebody like a Joseph Newgarden hop in to, yep. to an Xfinity car. Obviously, Sage Karam and Connor Daly um, were in – and Santino Ferrucci um, were in oh. that Xfinity race over the last couple of years. So – uh, I would love to see it. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably never going to come back to IMS unless they go back to the road course. Uh, but certainly, I think I would be a great place for it. Yeah, well, hand up. I totally forgot about uh, not having that this year with NASCAR moving back to the Oval. Um, that was that was my bad in, in thinking about that. So um, have you been to Iowa? 
at all? Yes. Have you been to the track? Okay. So help yeah. our NASCAR fans out because obviously NASCAR is going their Father's Day weekend this year. Uh, what can they expect from that track, that venue? I, I love the ideas you were saying about getting IndyCar to kind of, or High V really to kind of partner up. When High V, when they do their partnerships uh, at, at Iowa, it is amazing. I mean, what a spectacle that looks like with all the singers and just how they, they make the whole track look. So what, what can some of the NASCAR fans expect in that area around uh, Father's Day when that's happening? Well, as you, I mean, as you mentioned, they certainly embrace it. Any high V you went to in the state of Iowa heading into the race, you had cardboard cutouts of Christian Lungard's car and, and, you know, their packaging on their high V labeled like mm -hmm. off brand Oreos and, you know, okay. pop, whatever they had, it was all branded for IndyCar. Like, when you say all in, the last similarity I can make to what High V does for IndyCar is Marlboro. You remember back in the day, Marlboro. Oh, yeah. You know, you could Marlboro points, and you would have an IndyCar on on the on the, on the box of Marlboros, and there was yeah. billboards. That's kind of what High V is doing for IndyCar. Um, the track itself, man, it's right off uh, of the highway. I believe it's right off Highway 80. So there's a truck stop right there, a couple fast food joints. Um, it's close to Grinnell, Iowa, where you can stay. Des Moines about an hour, an hour away. That's probably the biggest city there is, but, um, man, Iowa does it well. They, 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 they park you out there. You hop on a John Deere, uh, tractor and you can, it's, it's a shuttle to wherever you need to go. Um, man, high, like I, I can keep going back to high V, but like they were giving out free Gatorades and free, like it was crazy. Like usually you go there and, you know, you might get a little sample cup of a Gatorade or, or whatever energy drink somebody's trying to get you to sell. But, man, it was – I love Iowa. Uh, the concerts are huge. I'm sure they'll do the same thing. And the reason why they can do it is obviously the massive budget that High V brings to it. But there was a private airport right next to the racetrack. I mean, we saw Tim McGraw's plane fly in, land. He got on stage, and an hour later, he literally flew back to Nashville. So um, maybe that'll make it easier for – um, some NASCAR big wigs to come in and check it out. Uh, it should be a great weekend. You got two, three lanes to run on, especially in a cup car. So um, the Xfinity races have been really good there over the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. That that one finish with, I, um, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Trevor Bain in the six where he ran out of gas and he got Stenhouse. hit from behind. And Stenhouse. Um, yeah, yep. and Stenhouse. Uh, there was some... Carl Edwards. Yes, yeah, so there's been some great finishes there. I think it'll be really good racing for the Cup Series, and uh, I'm sure fans will enjoy it, and I'm sure they'll sell it out. I, I like that you brought up that finish because that was, uh, you know, RFK. So there you yeah. go, Brian. There's talking <laughs> about some of your team there that won uh, that was, back in the day, which is good. That was many moons ago. Many, many moons, moons ago. Um, yeah, so IndyCar was uh, testing at Homestead Miami these past couple of days. Is there any anything on the you know, that the, the teams or the series was looking to to check any boxes or have you heard any news on how that went? Yeah, so they had, this is the second test they've had in the last month and a half down there. The first one was a hybrid test on the road course at Homestead. And again, what a great place to go back um, and add another oval. And maybe that's what they're doing. They tested the road course. I don't know if you could race the road course. I just, I don't think they would have to bring in different walls and they kind of come off. I guess eerie similar to what they do at the Indianapolis Motor Studio real course, but the way that they come from the infield onto the front straightaway might be a little tough. There would have to be some adjustments, but uh, again, what a great place to have. Um, I've always said this for IndyCar. When you're competing against NASCAR, you're competing against F1, you have to start thinking outside the box. You have to do things that are different. Why not run a Friday night race and have it during the all-star week for major league baseball, where there's not really much going on. 
and you can be on NBC and maybe do the only live sporting event. And it's something just different, even a Thursday night. Like if you're going to have a doubleheader at Iowa, maybe move up one of those to a Thursday night. Just try something different. Maybe you get uh, some new eyes on the sport. In Miami Homestead, you can run there pretty much any. I mean, you probably don't want to run there in July when it's 104 degrees. But um, what a great place to have, you know, a late winter. You know, everybody right now is itching for racing. Or you know, the yeah. the roar of the 24 was last week, and 24 hours of Daytona is this week. We we get to this point in January where it's like we want racing. Well, we'll pretty much watch anything. We're going to watch the Cup Series. Uh, you know, run their all-star race in LA and then obviously get ready for Daytona. But, but what an opportunity right now for IndyCar to start. They used to start the season at Disney world in the nineties in January. What an opportunity maybe to start the season a little bit earlier because I mean, their last race of the year was the second week of September. Uh, so if you want to end the season a little bit earlier, I understand because you don't want to go up against NASCAR's playoffs. You don't want to go up against the NFL. You don't want to go up on Saturday against college football. Why not start it early this season, earlier in the season, and run a race? Even if you have a month off before your next race, uh, you're still maybe getting those audience of the people that are just starving for racing. Brian. Brian. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and speaking of this weekend's Rolex 24, uh, I believe 14 IndyCar drivers are running in this weekend's event. What a massive statement for that that series and, and all these teams. What a, It's just so cool. I, I think that's the biggest field of drivers from a different series um, than anyone else. Uh, you know, where does that come from? Is it the the lack of, um, you know, the lack of events for these drivers right now? Is it a great warm up, or or is it just the connection between some of these sports car and IndyCar teams? Yeah, there's a different, a couple different reasons for it. I, I think your point is exactly probably the top one is just having that warm up. The more seat time you can get, um, you know, being able to go out there and and get warmed up really over a two week span with the roar last weekend and then this weekend, you obviously need more drivers for a 24 hour race and what you're going to need for for um, any other race. So a lot of these same owners that are in IndyCar, uh, Meyer Shank, Chip Ganassi, uh, they obviously have teams. So that makes a lot of sense for those drivers to go over there and run. Um, it's another opportunity to maybe even display some of your sponsors. Um, another opportunity for you to get acquainted with maybe a new spotter uh, and a new team. So yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's yeah, like it's 14 drivers this weekend. So it's almost like a mini Indy car race inside of another race going on. Obviously they're not all competing uh, against each other with the different classes, but uh, I think it just shows the versatility that these Indy car drivers have um, that are good on road courses. Obviously that's the bread and butter of Indy cars being able to turn right and left. Um, but it, it'll be exciting to watch it. There'll be a huge Indy car audience watching and checking it out. Are you going to be able to watch or you got plans this weekend? Uh, I will watch. I will not watch for 24 straight hours, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely watch the start, see how it goes, check in throughout the evening, and then uh, come back on Sunday and uh, be full on. Uh, I think it's on NBC, so that the final two or three hours I'll definitely uh, tune into before uh, the NFL games. Uh, hopefully it's over with by the NFL games. I think it will be. Uh, so, yeah, certainly be checking it out, seeing where, where different drivers are and um, you know, there's some drivers that I know that are in it this weekend. So I'll be paying attention to those as well. Is there any particular team you have on your, uh, you know, on your list that you think, uh, has it in the bag? Obviously the, the Cadillac showed a lot of speed in the roar and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, um, 
I just, they seem to have it. They seem to have everything you need to win this race, but obviously it's a 24 hour race. Yeah. And anything can happen. I just think it's amazing. Like last year, right? You go 24 hours and it still comes down to the last couple of laps. I think it's done that for the last two or three years. Um, it just shows that, you know, just you can get down early in, in, in this race. And, you know, usually in any normal race, you're like, well, I only got 300 miles to make this up or 200 miles to make this up. Well, now I've got 22 hours to make this up. So um, it's just super intriguing. Um, the different levels of competition, um, the different drivers. And, you know, I think there is a little bit of probably some competition in the sport of, you know, we're full-time IMSA drivers. We want to prove that we can knock off some of these big, bad IndyCar drivers that get a lot of the love uh, nationally when it comes to these things. So uh, I'm excited to see what, what, what it brings and uh, who will end up taking the checkered flag on Sunday. How about from a betting perspective? Is there any way to bet uh, the Rolex at all that you've been Man. able to find? Unfortunately, uh, we might have to do a quick, uh, quick pick in the uh, in the fans place app. I haven't seen any betting lines. I think it would be interesting. Uh, I just, I, I just oh, get yeah. the feeling that that uh, sports books just it's one of those things that they're not going to pay too much attention to. But uh, it would certainly be fun. It would certainly make it uh, uh, much more intriguing. So maybe we'll have to put together a uh, pick six contest where you pick six drivers uh, on the fans like place that. app, and people can check that out. I like that. I, I I know I would be going to you guys, you and Brian, both being like, okay, who am I going to select? What am I going to yeah. do here? So that's good. How about uh, you know staying in the state of Florida, St. Pete, obviously uh, kicking off the the twenty twenty four season for IndyCar. Going back to that just a little bit, uh, what's the outlook for that event? That was a wild event last year. I mean, there was action all over. Uh, I think you mentioned about the CW. Uh, producing some content, a docu-series, if you will, for uh, IndyCar. And I just remember thinking when they had that massive accident and then mm -hmm. just the race went on forever. Uh, what, what can we expect this year at St. Pete and also in uh, maybe who's an early pick to win the championship? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I was in turn one and at St. Pete, and they kind of go around you and you look to the video board and then that huge crash. I was like, well, that's going to be CW's like, man, like they're going to open the show with that. Like they're going to show that that's going to be on the NBC. Yep. Like that becomes the Scott Dixon, Jay Howard crash of a few years ago that just kept getting replayed and replayed. Uh, St. Pete's tricky, man. It's 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 funny because um kyle kirkwood seems to be the guy on street courses he kirkwood. won twice last year uh he won at long beach he won at nashville was the fastest car really um at st pete uh it was his first race at andretti he had a chance to qualify on pole wrecked it ended up starting sixth um had a bad pit stop got shuffled back in the field got into an accident trying to push forward uh, i'm excited to see what kyle kirkwood can do this year um he, he's probably a dark horse for the championship he was on rails at indy last year before that crash um and you know you have to be really really good on road and street courses to win the championship um you have to be top 10 on ovals to win the championship uh, i'm excited to see what Kirk, Kirk, kirkwood can do i'm excited to see what that entire andretti global team brings with colton herda coming off a winless season uh, obviously probably one of the highest paid indycar drivers on the paddock uh, Marcus Erickson comes over, obviously a race winner, Indianapolis 500 winner from two years ago. So let's see what he brings. Uh, I think Joseph Newgarden's hungrier than ever, um, which is crazy to say coming off a championship two years ago in an Indy 500 last year. Um, and, and his comments are very interesting in content. They said, look, uh, I've just learned this offseason that sometimes you just need to disconnect and get away from racing for a while. It just becomes this grind where you're thinking about it every day. And you know, my life is my wife and my kid, and it's good to get away sometimes. And I'm, I'm more focused than, than I've been. And, and his teammate, Scott McLaughlin, who's a guy who's won races, 
but has kind of failed to uh, keep pace in his three seasons in the championship. What can he do? Will Power back for one, maybe one more final year? We'll see if he signs at the end of the season. It's a contract year for Will Power. Uh, and then Ganassi, uh, you got Scott Dixon and Alex Pelot who are going to be favorites in almost every race. Pelot to win the championship. I mean, my goodness, this dude didn't finish outside of the top eight last year. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, like, it's just – it's uh, spanking the field is really what comes to mind throughout the season. Uh, Scott Dixon, obviously we know a six-time champion, has only won the 500 once. And then you have the rest of Chip Ganassi, which is Linus Lundquist, who is very fast, probably going to be your rookie of the year, might contend to win a few road course races. Uh, and then Kiffin Simpson, who has never raced at an IndyCar race, and Marcus Armstrong, who's new as well, uh, who just ran the road to street courses last year. So this is his first time running a full season. So um, it, it's like you have Dixon and Pillow, and then you have like the rest of the guys that are all under the age of 22 trying to cut their teeth in IndyCar. So, um, and then, then you could talk about McLaren as well. Can, can Alexander Rossi take that next step? He's kind of been been hanging around you know finished fourth in the 500 last year but really was really never in contention to win a race last year uh, Pato award didn't win a race last year which was crazy i uh, had a bunch of podiums he's really good at almost every track you go to really good at indy really good at iowa really good at gateway uh, then you bring in david malukas into the fold who's a, a young kid who did a did phenomenal job with dale coin and hmd a uh, team that's you know known in the IndyCar paddock as kind of being an underdog. Uh, he had a podium last year at, at, at St. Louis. He's been fast at Indy. Uh, what can he bring to McLaren? Um, and then, you know, you, you've got the other teams that are kind of, do you take a step forward? The Ed Carpenters of the world, the the, the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing uh, team, which last year had the highest of highs and winning with Christian Lungard. And Graham was on the pole to second IMS road course, but obviously the lowest of lows, Three of you know, all four of your cars started 29th through 33rd. One didn't make it. Obviously, Graham got in after Stefan Wilson uh, was injured, but uh, can they take a step forward uh, on the oval? So, there's a lot to look at, man. And, and there's so many different drivers and team combinations that I think could win and will be contending for podiums this year. You kind of got me fired up there for IndyCar. <laughs> I mean, what you come on, Chris Wheeler, when we were talking to him, he got me fired up as well. Mm -hmm. So you IndyCar guys, uh, you know how to kind of sell the sport, which I which I really like. Um, Brian, how about you real quick before we kind of close out? Is there a name that uh, he said there that comes to mind for you that you're going to be keeping an eye on this year? Well, I have a bunch of friends on that Penske, Team Penske oh, side. You so, yep. um, you know, I always like to, to see how they're doing. And I know how much emphasis Roger and, and that team puts on the Indy 500. And I know that even though they won last year, um, you know, they weren't exactly pleased with their outright speed that whole two week, um, you know, the two weeks there. So interest to see if they can step it up and, and bring even more speed to that event. Um, but overall, I'll, I'll be paying attention to the team Penske guys this year. I should have known that you were going to say that, which is good. So, uh, you know, Tony, th this was awesome. You're very easy to, to talk with and connect with. How can everybody listening uh, support what you got going on uh, and what you do each and every day? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Would love to do it again. Uh, Twitter at Tony Dindy. Uh, if you just go to the app store and type in the fans place, we're a free sports prediction app. We do so much racing stuff, but it's also football, NBA, that type of thing. And uh, yep. I'm ready for Daytona. Um, I got to get me a Castrol Brad Keselowski hat. Um, and I think that's my early pick to win Daytona. I'm a Chase Briscoe fan. Um, oh. I, I tend to cheer for guys that I had seen run 
uh, sprint cars. So Tony Stewart, JJ Yaley growing up. Now it's Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson and um, Chase Briscoe as well. And Chase is a big Colts fan. I've, I've, I've got to spend some time with him. Uh, but Brad Kay, I think this is the year he finally mm. uh, checks the final box off of his uh, off of his career list and 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 wins the uh, wins the Daytona 500. Calling it now. Well, I hope so. I will. I will lose my shit. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to find you that damn hat and I'm going to send it to you. So I love it. I need it. That'll oh, bring no. us some uh, some some good luck headed into Daytona. I will rock Congrats. that bad boy. Congrats, Tony. You're on the show for 40 minutes and you're already getting merch. I've been doing this with Brian for two years and I haven't got shit. So this is great. Uh, <laughs> hey, all you, you. got to do is ask, I guess. Right? I've like, been all, asking. All when he was with is... SHR, I was like, hey, I kind of like that hoodie. We, you know, they have an XL hoodie. I got plenty of those hoodies I can give you now. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I still wear stuff. I mean, I, hey, I don't. I don't I, uh, yes, you better... I, I will take hoodies. You better stop him before he, before he takes it to goodwill. Hey, I know you got to wrap yeah. up. I want to ask you guys one question. Please. Um, yeah, yeah. From, from your side of things and obviously paying more attention to NASCAR and, and what you guys do and, and being in that realm, uh, wh- what is the overall sense that you guys get of IndyCar? Obviously, we talked about there's a rivalry between sometimes fans and, oh, this is better and, and this is better and we go here and you guys can't do this or IndyCar drivers can't do that, um, which kind of – Brings me to the point. I can't wait to see the IROC series back. But, but, but is is IndyCar? Is it an afterthought in the NASCAR world? Is it something that they pay attention to? And how cool would it be to see more crossovers of maybe an Indy, Colton Herta and uh, Elio talked about trying to get rides for the for the for the Daytona 500 this year. I just think that that makes the sport of of, of racing in general just more healthy when there is that cohesion between the two sports. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think you know, early on in my in my career or early on when I started paying attention to motorsports, I think the separation between fans and series was personally far wider than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the last five or six years has been the closest and, and most fun when I am able to talk to other people, when I see the, um, the conversations on social media about different series and different races and people watching, um, whether it be dirt racing, NASCAR, IndyCar, sports car. So for me, um, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty pleased. I think, especially with the people at work or the people I'm surrounded by, we watch IndyCar. I mean, every week I have two TVs in my living room just for this purpose. It's not to let my wife watch uh, whatever she wants to watch. It's so I can have both races on. Same thing with my neighbors. Same thing with uh, all of our friends. So, um, and and you know, to also comment on the, you know, maybe the uh, battle or the um, the separation between NASCAR and IndyCar fans. Honestly. I think the the pissing match between IndyCar and F1 has really uh, helped our relationship between yeah. these fan bases because that's kind of taken over, and I think there's far less uh, for for NASCAR fans and IndyCar fans to complain about when um, you know you, you two fan bases are over there uh, having the arguments now. <laughs> so let me ask you, let me ask you this, Tony. I'm going to flip it back to you. Kyle Larson's coming over to do the uh, uh, Indy 500 this year for you guys. What, what's mm-hmm. that like for you, having a NASCAR guy come into your biggest event is that something that is looked at i mean obviously from a driver's side it's it's very respected but what about from like your perspective media side and all that is that something that's like hey this is our territory or you welcome it you know i i certainly welcome it i i I loved it and i wasn't and i'll I'll be completely honest with you i was not a kurt bush fan at all uh you know in the 2000s and even in the early 2010s and when he came over here to run indy and 
And it was like, wow, um, you know, this is a different type of, of racing. And, and he respected the place and uh, he had his accident on Monday and before the 500. And, and he said like, yeah, this place can bite you. And it's not like a cup car where you can slide it off the wall, pull out the fender and be fine. Uh, then he ended up racing, I believe, to an eighth place finish. Uh, I think it's great. I would love to see it more. Uh, I think it's going to be great for Kyle Larson. Not only does he come over as probably the most popular American motorsports driver right now, he comes over at the top of his game. Uh, in a couple of years, he moved from a championship, obviously, race winner last year. Uh, I think a lot of the IndyCar fans can embrace it because this is a guy that used to run the short tracks uh, here in Indiana. He used to run at IRP. He used to run at Terre Haute. He used to run at Putnamville. So a lot, there's a familiarity with these IndyCar fans that like to go to the grassroots and the USAC sprint car races. They know who Kyle Larson is. Um, I think it's great. I would love to see it more. Um, I think he will have – not only is it, it's just, it's a difficult race to win for anybody – but having to go back and forth from Charlotte and all the things that go in physically into what he's going to have to do is going to be tough. Um, but I mean, he's one of the best. I would love to see it more. I think it's going to bring an excitement level. Um, I talked to Doug Bowles a few weeks ago and he said, look, we are as far as ticket sales go. And a lot of it has not all of it, but a lot of it has to do with Kyle Larson. The ticket sales for this year's 500 are up past what they were for 2016. 2016 was the 100th running. It ended up being a sellout, which here locally lifted the blackout on TV uh, and unless it sells out, the people inside of Marion County, Indianapolis, cannot watch the race live. They have to listen to it on the radio, which is crazy. Um, stupid. Yeah, but um, you know uh, the ticket sales are certainly up. I'm not saying it's it's 100% because of Kyle Larson, but I think that there is uh, certainly a lot to do with that. I think it's something that you're going to see the competition level in IndyCar. I mean, even if you're a casual NASCAR fan and you haven't watched IndyCar too much. I think you're going to tune in. I think you're going to say, holy crap, this is some great racing. There's it's side-by-side -side action. You don't know who's going to win to the last couple of laps. And, and oh, I've got a rooting interest because I'm a NASCAR fan mm -hmm. and Kyle Larson is going to be there. So um, I hope we see it more. I, I, I think the relationship between IndyCar and NASCAR has has grown since the pandemic, obviously because of the doubleheader, yeah. obviously because of Roger Penske uh, and IMS. And then I think NBC's done a great job of kind of bringing mm -hmm. both together and, and doing some cross-promotion. Um, and obviously there's only one team, uh, which is team Penske that owns in both series, but, uh, but man, I mean, I, I would love to see more double headers and, you know, uh, what do they say? When, when, when the tide rises, all boats rise or whatever it is, if, if NASCAR is doing well, it helps IndyCar. And if IndyCar can get something from NASCAR, whether it's a double header weekend or a driver coming over, I mean, eyeballs are eyeballs. As long as TV yep. ratings are going up, you'll take it. Yeah, I think that was uh, well said uh, for sure. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Like you said, I mean, us NASCAR fans and uh, those that work in the sport, when that happens, that crossover happens, I know it's something that is just talked about throughout. I mean, in 2022, when Jimmy ran the 500, that was mm -hmm. yep, that was a major reason why I watched. I know he crashed out, but that was a major reason to see what can our guy do that was a seven-time champion, now an owner, uh, driver, and all that. So uh, really, really good. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else at all? No, um, Tony, thank you for coming on. Uh, we definitely have to do this again, especially as 100%. the season, uh, you know, gets closer or we, we knock off some races. So really appreciate all the insight. I'm glad we finally have someone to, uh, uh, get some good, uh, IndyCar knowledge, uh, spread around here. Yep. Um, anytime would love to do it again. Uh, Brian was good to meet you a few weeks ago when you stopped through Indy and, uh, whenever you guys come to town, we'll definitely check out the racetrack for sure. Definitely. I'm in. Well, thank you, Tony. Best of luck with everything. We'll have you on again. Thank you. Take, take care, guys. Let's do it again.